are listening to The Polk Experience. Hey, welcome to The Polk Experience. This is a podcast about the best things in Polk County and all the unique experiences and places and people and places in Polk County. I'm your host, Kevin Smith. And I'm Jack Cormier. And today we are here at the Main Street Tailors with Mr. Elijah Armstrong and Commissioner Leo Longworth here in Bartow, Florida. And uh, we're going to be talking about some something pretty special to Polk County and to the city of Bartow and, and certainly one of the uh, highlights and gems of this destination in this area. Um, we're going to talk about uh, and talk to these gentlemen about Mr. Ken Riley, who recently passed away. Uh, but Ken Riley is part of the Polk County Hall of Fame. Uh, he is a former NFL player with the Cincinnati Bengals, played 15 seasons with the Bengals, uh, 65 career interceptions. That puts him fifth, I think, still currently on the all-time interception list. Uh, 596 yards and five touchdowns. So he had quite a career with uh, professional football. But more importantly, it's all the things that Ken Riley meant to the city of Bartow and to Polk County that we're going to talk about today. And these gentlemen have known him for quite a while. So um, let me start with these guys and, and say good morning or good afternoon. We're in the afternoon time here. Uh, how is everyone doing today? Doing fine. Good afternoon. Doing well. Thank you. Thank great, you. Great. Great. Um, let me start with you, Commissioner. Okay. Um, yes. Now, you were a good friend of, of Mr. Riley's for, I guess, most of your life, right? Y yes. Tell us a little bit about him. I, I know he's a remarkable athlete, but tell me something else about Ken Riley and, and some things that he's done here in, in Bartow. Yeah, Ken, Ken is um, obviously, uh, he's from Bartow, and uh, Ken and I went to uh, Union Academy uh, together. He was a couple years ahead of me. Um, and um, Ken, uh, Ken's wife, uh, Barbara Ann, we call her Barbara Ann. She's, uh, she and I were classmates, high school classmates. So we graduated together. There are many others who know Ken just as much or better than I do. But I've had the pleasure of knowing him, not just uh, sports, obviously. We all knew him sports, but Ken's just a, a humble guy. You know, he was just, uh, he was everyday. You know, you never would have known his accomplishments um, if you didn't read it or see it somewhere else. Uh, that wasn't what he was about. He was about helping people and he was about being fair, making sure people are, you know, are fair uh, and are treated fairly. And uh, he was also one who, one who loved uh, young people. And he was involved, and, and, and the city is just, uh, it's just a remarkable the things that he did for the city. And, and we all know Ken did not have to come back to Bartow. Uh, in most cases, people, uh, in some cases, people who have uh, reached the claim that he has, uh, sometimes they don't go come back to their hometown. Right. But he did. And uh, he was uh, wonderful to work with, and he, he, he's, uh, it's a void that will never, never be filled. Well, and I understand that he shared a lot of those experiences that he had all his years in, in the NFL and the times and, and places and things that he did with some of the youth here in, in Bartow. Mr. Armstrong, tell me a little bit about your experiences in the past with, with Mr. Riley. Well, I, I knew him from a, a personal standpoint because he's my brother-in-law. And, you know, and just he was all about family. He was all about his community. And if you had to use one word to describe him, it would be love. You know, he was very compassionate about, you know, the things that he did, uh, his character, how he carried himself, you know. And he really had a love for his family, his children, you know, and he loved his community. Now, you mentioned something about Union Academy. 
Tell me a little bit about Union Academy and what that what that academy means to Bartow or did mean to Bartow and to Mr. Riley. Well, you know, one thing, uh, Ken, um, you know, Ken's feeling, feelings about that, we would talk about it sometimes. He had a lot of um, admiration for the school. Of course, we all do, all, all of us who uh, attended. That school played a special part uh, in his heart. And, you know, Ken, uh, Union Academy was second to none. You know, sometimes when you go out of town, you, you know, you go to school and you're in college, you go out of town and people ask you where you're from. And of course, we say, um, or some people may say, instead of Bartow, they may say Lakeland, Winter Haven, Orlando, Tampa, you know, a place that's near Bartow that they may know because maybe you're ashamed, uh, it's a small town or whatever, but Ken would be proud to say wherever he was, I'm from Bartow. And, and, uh, and that was instilled in us in Union Academy. Union Academy was, was like our parents away from home, no doubt about it. They took care of us, they molded us, uh, and people back during those times, particularly sports athletes who may not have, in today's time, may not have gone to school, uh, graduated, graduated from Union Academy, uh, went to college, graduated from college, and many of them have uh, advanced degrees. It played a special uh, part in Ken's heart and, and in all of our hearts who attended Union Academy. Now, I understand, Mr. Armstrong, Ken Riley was a quarterback coming out of high school. Correct. Right? And so, what kind of athlete was he? Well, Ken, he was a, a superb athlete. He, he's not only played football, but he ran track, and he was a basketball player. He, he was the point guard on the basketball team. And one thing special about that, he could dribble the ball as fast as he could run. So he was a very unique athlete. That's pretty amazing because, you know, I, I played a lot of different sports, and to play that many sports and be good at that many things is, is a very difficult thing as an athlete. But as a, as a quarterback, he went on to Florida A&M in the 60s, and he played there, and he was an outstanding athlete there. And I, I read that he was a Rhodes Scholar candidate at, at Florida A&M. Correct. So he was not only an athlete, but he had, he had the, the smarts to go along with it. He did, and that was one of the things that was instilled in us going at Union Academy because, you know, the school, it was very special to the community because most of the teachers we had, they graduated from Union Academy, went off to college, and came back and taught school there, you see. And so it was, a, and they stressed uh, academic success for us. And it played a very uh, important role, you know, in his, in his life and in his career. You know, I, and I think that's one of the messages that athletes are sometimes tasked with to spread to young people is to make sure that you get your education. Was that something big with Mr. Riley with, when he would speak to young people? It was. And uh, when he, on his off season, a lot of times he would come back home and uh, he taught at the high school as a, a driver's ed teacher. So he always had that connection with young people, and he always had that heart to just want to give back and share his experience with them. Mr. Longworth, I also understand he had a master's degree in education. So he, so he did come back, and he was teaching regularly at the schools, right? Yes, he did. Uh, you know, as Elijah said, he, you know, education was important to Ken. And, you know, but Ken, but Ken also felt like he also felt that not, not every kid uh, may have been college uh, material. Uh, so he really stressed uh, technical schools. Uh, in fact, part of it in his foundation, he talked about that a lot. You know, every kid is not going to be able to go to college. It's not college material. or doesn't want to go to college. 
Uh, and there are a lot of trades uh, that are uh, available uh, that uh, provide good quality of life, good incomes and quality of life for people. So, so he emphasized uh, the, technical, uh, the technical aspects of education. But, he, you know, on the, on, on the other hand, he, he, he really made sure uh, that education was foremost in young people's minds. Uh, and he pushed it. He, he, he advocated it. So he played in the 1981 Super Bowl after he got out of uh, college, and he, he played 13, 14, 15 years in the NFL, and he made it to the Super Bowl in 1981. Did he ever talk to you guys at all about that, about that experience? He, uh, that, that was one of the highlights of his career, you know, playing in the NFL. And the thing that, that made it so joyful for him he had his family there, his mom and his dad and his sisters and brothers, you know, so uh, all of them was able to uh, participate, you know, in that uh, event with him. And he played his entire career with one team. 15 years. 15 years. 15 years. That's, that's unheard of these days. And he went on to coach his own son, is that correct at Co A&M? Correct. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, the relationship, you know, be, uh, being able to coach your son was like a dream come true. And they really enjoyed the uh, opportunity they had with one another. And it was just uh, a joy for him to be able to do that with his son. And, and the impact he made on so many of the guys, when you, you can hear their testimony during his uh, memorial service, I mean, it was such a, a great uh, uh, contribution, you know, uh, that he made in their lives, you know. You know, so many athletes, um, as they move on in their careers, like you said, uh, Mr. Longworth, that they, they move on and they don't come back to their hometown and they don't share their experiences. And it sounds like Ken Riley obviously was not one of those guys, so he came back to his hometown. He had so many things, so many accolades that I, I've read about uh, he accomplished in sports. Number five on the interception list as a corner. Right, a corner is one of the toughest positions in football, right? Because right. you've got to be smart and read the whole field and be able to react and act. 65 interceptions. Um, we're going to talk about the obvious. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? Oh, no doubt about it. Correct. Oh, no doubt about yeah. it. We all feel that way. He should have been in there. Uh, every, everyone, they say, everyone who has, who, who has uh, uh, the interceptions that he has, uh, each one of them are in the Hall of Fame. And uh, Charles Woodson, I understand, is 65, and, and he is expected to go in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, Ken should have been there. Ken would always say, Elijah may agree, probably uh, you know, agrees with this. Ken, Ken would always say, probably one of the reasons he's not in the Hall of Fame because he wasn't a talker. He wasn't one to brag about himself. Not saying the, of course, giving respect to those who are in there um, who went before him. Um, not saying or discrediting them, but Ken just felt like it was because of his demeanor. Uh, had a lot to do with him not having been in the Hall of Fame. But we think, that, well, I know I think that he have a good chance of getting in, but it's so sad that he won't be able to see it. You know, but his family will be just as happy about that. And in his belief in football, like in everything else in life, he just believed that your work speaks for you. And he did the job on the field, and uh, he's deserving for that position. You know? He's a quiet man and just got it done, right? He just got it done. There's a lesson there, right, for a lot of young athletes coming out, right? Just quiet man and just get it done. Well, right. let me, yeah, let me, uh, let me, uh, let me read, uh, let me, uh, let me recite Proverbs 17:27. 
and I thought about this when um, when you all asked us to to do this. Proverbs twenty Proverbs seventeen twenty seven says, "A truly wise man uses few words, uh, and a person with knowledge is even tempered." And that was Ken. I mean, I, you know, I like you know, I read Proverbs at least you know every day, and I, I ran across this. Uh, in fact, on the seventeenth of this month, I read. Proverbs 17, and I ran across this, and man, that's Ken. You know, a truly wise man uses few words, and he used few words. Correct. Uh, And he was very even-tempered and mild. I got to say, I, I, you know, we had many meetings that I helped out with with the golf tournament. And uh, and I remember the first meeting, everybody came walking in and, and we kind of shake hands. It's a blur of people. I'm brand new. And, and we go through and it wasn't until they were walking out, I'm like, wait a minute, that was Ken Riley. He said two words the whole meeting. Uh, <laughs> everyone else buzzed around and, and, uh, and he sat back and, and it was amazing. But yeah, you're, you're correct. You could have an entire meal with him and... and but when he speaks, when he spoke, it meant everything. He speaks with conviction. He spoke with conviction. That's awesome. What are some of the things that we will miss most about Ken Riley in our community here in Bartow and in Polk County? Well, Ken, he was a he was a hard worker for the community. He he participated in a lot of different uh, committees. You know, for the concern of the the. Uh, Respiration of our community, the upkeep of our community. Uh, he had youth programs for the kids. You know, he he was just uh, a busy man. You know, he just had a love and concern for his community. You know, and we gonna miss, you know, just having him around. You know, I mean, just being in his presence. He was just a pleasant person to uh, to associate with. Tell us a little bit about the unity function that he had every year the unity and the community function, because that was, I, I thought that more than the golf was what really was Ken. It was a, a program to, uh, to inspire and try to uplift the youth of the community. It tried to set up programs where they would be able to uh, communicate with people who have been successful in life, uh, uh, trying to teach them that, uh, you know, everybody had a, a role to play you know, as far as uh, maintaining the community, building the community, and being able to give back to the community. With um, where we are today and, and what's happening in our, in our country and around the world and the movements that are going on and, and this, everything that's been happening, how can we best honor Ken Riley today um, with all that he's done in our community? How do we how do we move forward and create a better place for for our our kids and people in our community to live based on what we're seeing happening now this shift in our in our country? Well, like I said that in the beginning, if I had to describe him with one word, it would be love. You see, uh, the philosopher tells us that to, as a man thinketh, so is he. But Scripture tells us, so as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. So you're talking about your thinking uh, coupled with that love. And love is, is a gift that God has given all of us. And love is the only gift that we can share with each other, regardless of your race, your uh, position in life, whether you're a man or a woman, it don't matter. Because that's something that we can all share is love. And I think he left us with a legacy of love. 
And if we can just continue with that legacy, I think we'll be all right. Commissioner? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh, Elijah is, uh, is exactly correct on that. Um, Ken, Ken uh, Elijah mentioned about Ken, Ken having been his involvement in the uh, community. And uh, Ken was a part of an organization um, that didn't get a whole lot of pu publicity, uh, but it's been around for a while. And that name of that organization in Bartow is called the Community Relations Committee. Community Relations Committee was created uh, several years ago, many years ago, 10, 15 years ago, to help uh, different cultures understand, bring understanding among cultures. And Ken was at every meeting, and there's nothing about Ken, he was on time. If the meeting started at 1, Ken is there at 12.30. So he was always on time, so he was always, he, he was committed. And, and, and to feed in what Elijah said about love, Ken certainly was one of love. Ken was the face for the faceless and the voice for the voiceless. He was for those who were more, um, more, more destitute, the marginalized community. He, he, he was for the, including the young people. So, so Ken, so we need to, this community relations committee in the city, uh, with Ken's legacy, we need to make sure that we communicate and work together in love and in peace. And Ken didn't want confusion and contention and disharmony. So we need to make sure that we keep those intact. Uh, and we need to make sure that, and Ken would want us to continue working uh, on, this, on, the, on this progression, the things that we set out to do. And he would want us to be stronger. And he would say, knowing him, he would say, he would say, keep it going, and let's make sure that we make a difference in the community among all people. And he loved all people. The last function Ken attended, public function that Ken attended, was a Saturday. In fact, he passed Sunday. It was Saturday, uh, and he and I talked. And that was, that was a, uh, something we put together Tuesday before, and Ken wasn't able to make it to the, to the physical meeting. Um, but he, but he, uh, he connected on the phone, uh, and, and he talked and gave his opinion. We ended up having what was called what 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 we refer to as a solemn assembly for justice and reconciliation, and it was prayer. It was about prayer, and Ken was there Saturday. He attended ten o'clock, I think it started, uh, until about ten, twelve, twelve maybe, yeah, maybe eleven thirty or twelve, and Ken was there. That was the last time I saw him, and he did something that. That I never would that that I that will, will will always stick in my mind, and that is he walked past me and said, you know, was still part of the group was hanging around, and he said, "Great job, Leo." He always does that. He always compliments you too, but he said, "Great job, Leo," and he kept walking. And I realized that Ken said something. I was talking with other people, and I looked up, and he had passed me, and I said, "Oh, Ken, thank you very much, man. I appreciate your input as well and your contribution." And he turned around. Ken, Ken is not one to turn around and wave at you, you know. Uh, but he turned around, and I saw his face. And he looked at me in my eyes. I looked at him, and he put and he threw it. He threw his hand up, and said, "You know, take care. You're welcome. No problem." Turned back around and walked away. Last time I saw him, so that was that was something that I'll never forget. But he he's he just wants us to continue to struggle because he knows the struggle is real. Well, I will tell you, gentlemen, this has been an honor and a pleasure to sit and talk to you a few minutes about your friend, Ken Riley, 
truly one of the greats in the NFL, but more importantly, one of the greats in the city of Bartow and for Polk County. And we've been here today with Commissioner Leo Longworth and Elijah Armstrong, two friends uh, and relatives of uh, Mr. Ken Riley, who recently passed away unexpectedly and before his time. Uh, we will miss him and uh, we will push, hopefully, for him to be inducted into the Hall of Fame where he belongs. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Welcome back to the Polk Experience. I'm your host, Kevin Smith. And I'm Jack Cormier. And we're here today to speak with Pat Zier. He's the former sports editor of the Lakeland Ledger. And uh, we've been, uh, welcome, welcome to the show, Mr. Zier. Appreciate you being here. And thank you for asking me. Fantastic. Well, we're here today. We're paying, paying tribute to uh, one of the greats here in, in uh, Polk County and Bartow area in uh, Ken Riley. And uh, with uh, Mr. Zier's uh, position with the Lakeland Leisure, he has had some, uh, some past experiences with Ken Riley, and we're here to talk to him a little bit about that. So, Mr. Zier, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your time and some of the experiences you've had with Ken Riley um, Bartow, young man, came out of here, went to Florida, went to uh, FAMU, uh, six-round draft pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, tell us a little bit about your experiences with him. Well, to be honest with you, I did not know Ken well because I didn't deal with him when he was in Polk County. My only uh, dealings with him were when he was in the NFL and I covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we did speak at times and things like that. But, you know, you get impressions of people, and my, my overall impression of him, looking at it from an NFL standpoint, which is where I'm best qualified to speak, if I had to sum up Ken Riley, I would say he's probably the best player in the NFL that nobody knows about. And that was partly true, partly because of the way he conducted himself. Most country people, and you see this all particular South, they just go about their jobs, whatever they do. They don't expect praise. They don't brag about themselves. And, and he was that way. He never talked about himself, and it was very hard to get him to talk about himself. And he, you know, you could ask him questions, but he, and he would answer them, but he would never, you know, run on about it. This was not Deion Sanders, in other words. This is the opposite of Deion Sanders. And I saw some quotes after he retired where it said maybe that hurt because he's not in the Hall of Fame and he definitely should be. I don't think he said that because he wished he could change it. In my mind, he was just trying to explain why he thought he, he wasn't in the NFL. Uh, but, they, you know, like I said, he, he was a really good guy. He, he, he was unspectacular. Uh, again, Deion Sanders is... Just to compare, Deion Sanders is in the whole, in the whole thing. And why is so? I'm going to tell you away from Deion Sanders. But when we look at the backgrounds, I mean, Deion was a number one draft pick out of a football powerhouse, Florida State. He, I believe, Ken was drafted on the sixth round, and he, of course, started Florida A&M. And they both had long careers in the NFL. But Deion played professional baseball. He was putting himself out there as prime time. He made a lot of flashy plays. Ken was more welcome life. He was just, you know, there were things about Ken Ryan, people, I don't think, no. He intercepted 65 passes. That's 12 more than Deion Sanders did. And, and it's still 
fifth in the NFL all time. There are only four people in NFL history that intercepted more passes than Kim Rye. That alone should get him in the NFL. I mean, get him in the Hall of Fame. He never made a Pro Bowl. One year, he, had, he was having a really terrific year, and he was playing, uh, I believe it was Lamar Parrish, who was the other cornerback on Cincinnati team. Parrish had had a bigger reputation. Parrish played about half the season because he was hurt. Parrish was selected to the Pro Bowl. Ken Riley wasn't. And, and it was just, those kinds of things just kept going on all the time. Ken Riley played 207 games. And I believe he started, I'm pretty sure he started 202. And even when he went out his last year, I think he intercepted eight passes. Dion played like 188 games and started 157. So they're just, I mean, the point being here that, you know, a lot of it was because A, he was not a person who blew his own horn. He played in Cincinnati, which from a full football standpoint is nowhere zero, whereas Dion played San Francisco and won a Super Bowl, played with the Dallas Cowboys, played with the Washington Redskins, you know, played with teams that, that, had, that, that were socially with success and where he had success. So I think a lot of that, all of that played into it. To me, I can't personally remind me, I used to cover NASCAR and, and, and for a long, long time. And back in the day, there was a, a driver named Bill Allen. Anybody that follows NASCAR will know who Bill Allen is. And, but he was one of the best drivers of his generation, and their backgrounds are very similar. Eight, Bill came from Dawsonville, Georgia, small town, North Turk. He was exactly like Kenwood. Never threw his horn, just went out and did everything he did it well. Bill's idea of a perfect race would be to go to the track, back on the car, which not a lot of drivers did, but he did. Win the race, leave the track, and never say we're doing it and and Kenrahi was, you know, somewhat like that. He just wasn't the guy who went out there and put himself out there. And, and I think it did, you know, probably hurt his chances. But I, I still don't understand why he's not a Hall of Fame. When you look at what he did and, and the things that he accomplished, he, he definitely belongs there. But there are a lot of people in a lot of different Hall of Fames that don't get in that do belong. Uh, I cover the Detroit Ken. Lee Whittaker belongs in the Hall of Fame. He's got better stance than a lot of people in there, but when he's ever get in, I don't know, Jack Morris, same thing. But anyway, so, you know, that, that's just some of my observations about Ken. So, so Pat, when uh, when Ken went on to uh, Florida, coach at Florida A and M, and he was he was recruiting out of this area. Did you have any contact with him then? No, because I always basically when I was with the ledger, I, I did professional sports, some college sports early on. But um, I covered Florida for a few, a couple of years at Florida State. But when the pro teams came in, I did the Bucks for thirty years until the Rays came. Then I did the Rays. And so I really, you know, like I said, my only contact with him basically was when he was in the NFL. I really didn't, you know, I really didn't have any other contact with him. So a lot of sports writers have uh, have been trying to compare Ken personality-wise to other people. And the uh, the one that I've seen more than once is uh, a certain former Buccaneers head coach. Do you see the connection between a, between a Dungy and a Riley and a similarity between the two? Mm, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't. Dungy was not as reserved as Ken was. Dungy, he, were, he, was one, he would talk and explain himself and 
you know, and, and amplify answers. Ken was much more reserved. I, my impression of Ken was he would he he wasn't he was very so he was sociable and he would answer your questions. But he to me, if you want to compare him to somebody with a box, it would be Leroy Salmon, not not Ken Dungey. Salmon was very much again like the same thing. You could go. I, I, Leroy could have a game, he'd have six sacks, five tackles for a loss, and 15 tackles overall. And he'd go to Carlos and talk, well, what was going on? Truth said, gee, guys, as far as I really don't know, I, I have to look at the tape. You know, he never wanted to talk about himself. He never said a lot either. And, you know, he never was one to expound on things. He was, he was real quiet. He just went out, did his job. And was, of course, he was so good that you couldn't ignore him. I mean, uh, Ken was... Not the same way, but Leroy, you know, Mike Ditka, when he was coaching the Bears, once told me that that Leroy Sell was one of the few players in the NFL that before you even played the game, you altered your game plan just because he was on the team. And and but he was again, this is not a guy who went and made a lot, you know, he wasn't contacting, he could have done it, but he just was like Dundee, you know, he he was more verbose and, and more, you know. He was willing to talk and explain things and go into detail. So I, I don't see they were both quiet people, I guess, in that sense, they're like, but I don't really see uh, the comparison there too much. I may be wrong, but I, I just I don't really see that bigger comparison between him and Duncan. Well, as you stated earlier, you know, he was a six-round draft pick out of FAMU. He played 15 seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals, went to a Super Bowl in 1981. Um, do you, and, and you made the comparison already to a guy like Dion, right? Dion was a, you know, quintessential cornerback uh, of that time period. And he had, you know, players at this time, they have brand managers, right, and things along those lines. Do you think that was a disadvantage for Ken? Uh, obviously, fantastic players. He certainly has the stats, but the, I think the advantage is that they have the, the branding, right? Yeah, I mean, Dion came along pretty much after Ken's career. He, he yeah. pretty much followed Ken. I, I think a big problem, I, I kind of alluded to, was playing in Cincinnati, quite frankly. Now, if you play for the Cincinnati Reds, that's one thing. They're a historical baseball team. But the Bengals are not known. You know, they they aren't the Washington Redskins. They aren't the Dallas Cowboys. They're not. They're not the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Pittsburgh had a great record, so they overcame players there could overcome the fact that they were in Pittsburgh. But nobody paid any attention much back then to people in players in Cincinnati. Anthony Munoz comes to mind, and an all-pro tackle. But they really. They weren't that good a team, and they weren't consistently good. And I think as much as they, so he was just in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Dion played in Dallas and Atlanta and, and San Francisco and Washington. Those are all major media centers. Atlanta's a major media hub in the South. Washington, D.C. is one of the major media centers on the East Coast. San Francisco won Super Bowls and was a, you know, a, a, Major media center. And he never got that kind of exposure. And not, I don't know, it would have definitely helped him had he been in those places. But again, because of his personality, you know, and unfortunately that shouldn't figure in, but it does. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, he, and what you say is probably true. If there had been back in that time somebody that had come along and said, look, we need to market you. And, and did some things, 
you know, uh, that might make him probably would On the other hand, again, I can't say for sure, but I'm not sure Ken Riley would have wanted that. I mean, I don't know if he's that kind of a guy. Yeah. You know, at that point in his life, I was playing, would he have really wanted to go out there and, you know, change his whole personality? Because that just wasn't his personality. And, you know, you could take guys that, you know, he's no Johnny Manziel just bragging all the time about everything he did. Or, like I said, and Dion backed up what he said. I mean, he was one of the great athletes. But I don't know. Ken just, you know, he, he was just a different player. But you're right. I mean, when you look at what he did on the field, if you strip everything else away, he should be in the Hall of Fame. He never played in the Pro Bowl. I mean, he was named all pro, but he was never in a Pro Bowl. That's ridiculous. And, I mean, again, you know, this perception, and there's still a perception, I think, that, you know, people, maybe outside of Polk County, people outside, you know, yeah, he's a pretty fair player, but they don't, I don't think they realize or understand how good he really was. So, uh, so do you think we will see somebody break 65 uh, in, in today's game? Do we do we have somebody else who'll, who'll get the sixty-five interceptions, or uh, or has the game become younger and the careers shorter? Well, I think you're right about that to some extent. I I really don't follow the NFL much, very much anymore because I I, I got a full of it. I had thirty years of it, and I enjoyed it while I did it. And I went to a lot of all the Super Bowl, all that. The one thing I would say though is because it's so much more pass oriented than it was defense and because they're playing a 16 game season you gotta remember too Ken that was one difference Ken didn't when Ken started his career they were not playing 16 games a year and one year he played they had the strike and he only played nine now you've got the 16 game season and I think you're gonna see that go to 18 I think they're gonna they're gonna cut some of those they want to get all of that hard cash they can I think you'll see it going so with more games and much more passing. Every team is passing-oriented. I think there's more of a possibility that it could happen. The one thing would be durability. Like you said, Cam was amazingly durable. And whether today's young players are bigger, faster, and stronger, and the game is you know harder hitting up, that's a good point. Whether they would, you'd have to stay around quite a while and get 65 receptions even in today's game. Somebody might do it because of the changes. But you're right. I mean, the durability would be a factor. And, and the fact that, you know, now, uh, because of the fact, you, you have to say, back in Kansas, I think you could a little bit, may, as you got experience, make up for the fact that maybe you lost a step or two or something like that. You could make up for that. But you can't do that today. Because the receivers that come in are bigger, faster, stronger, all of that. And if you lose a step or two, you're not going to have a job. I mean, it just... How good you are, and there's not much way to, to make up for it anymore. So, I think it'll be difficult to do, but I wouldn't say it'd be impossible to do. But even if it does, even if somebody catches more than 65, that doesn't take away from anything he did. He's double ones in all things. Yes, I, I agree. So, uh, thank you, Pat, for joining us. It was a pleasure. Uh, it's good to talk to an old newspaper guy. There's not a lot of us left. And uh, and I thank you for your time. Oh uh, well, thanks guys. Uh, have a good day. Thank you, Pat. You have a wonderful day too. Thank, thank you, sir. You. Talk to you again soon.